Welcome to Our Tribe, the podcast that sits down with Jewish professionals and entrepreneurs to hear their stories, share their advice, and bear their Jewish souls. Now here's your host, Rabbi Tovia Kopsty. Welcome back to Our Tribe, the podcast. This is Tuvia Kopstein. And in this episode, we have the thrill and pleasure of meeting with Michal Isaacowitz. And Michal is not only a copywriter, which means somebody who does writing for business, but she is also a, has been able to distill the, the craft of copywriting based on her experience and her kind of learning as you go experience into a course of many multiple modules where she's training cohorts of future copywriters in the craft, sharing her skill, sharing what she's gained. And we think you'll love Michal's story and what she has to give over. Without further ado, Michal Isaacowitz in Our Tribe, the podcast. And we are sitting here with Michal Isaacowitz in Israel. How are you, Michal? Hi, great to be here. I'm doing great. It's finally cooling off here. Okay, very good. So Michal, we'd love to know, first of all, what is it that you do? I am the lead copywriter at an agency that provides copywriting services to companies. Copywriting with a W, as in the marketing writing you see, all the writing you see in marketing materials like brochures, websites, presentations, basically anything in the marketing world that requires writing will be strategized and written by a copywriter. Okay, so you're the lead copywriter of your agency that's exactly. named after you. Okay, very good. Yes, yes. And and you also, very importantly, also have a course that you've developed. Correct. Can you tell us about that course? Sure. Yeah, I run a foundational training program for beginning copywriters, usually strong writers who have kind of dabbled in professional writing, but don't know how to take it to the next level and never learned about copywriting in a systematic clear, structured way. So we have a five-month hands-on interactive program where they learn like everything there is to learn to launch a copywriting career. And we have lots of hands-on challenges that are critiqued by a team of staff members. And we're on our fifth cohort. We're, we're in the middle of our fifth cohort right now, which is really exciting. So we have almost 400 members to date, which is cool. So once once you do the uh, course, you you remain a member in in the uh, what do we call what do we call it? Yeah, we have like an alumni <laughs> Slack community, so a very uh-huh. strong network, and we stay even even once the course is over, we very much stay connected, and sometimes mm-hmm. have like alumni guest classes or events like that. And what is the course called? Copy Tribe. Copy Tribe. Okay. I, lo- I love that name. And I think it was seeing Copy Tribe a few a few years ago when I first became aware when I landed on LinkedIn. And I noticed the, a, a, a whole slew of copywriters and, and I had to found, find out what is this copywriting thing that everybody's doing. I, um, I like that tribe thing. And I think I, I, use it, I, I used it when I wanted to name this podcast, probably subconsciously it, it filtered in. I wasn't thinking about copying you. But, I'm honored. Uh, <laughs> I'm honored. Yes, I I can't claim um I can't claim copyright to the name tribe, but it's funny because I think Yoel Judowitz is also very active on LinkedIn. He said the same yes. thing. He names his company Story Tribe Media, uh-huh. and he said like I just love the tribe thing. So I guess it's catching on. Members of the tribe, very good. Uh-huh. Okay, so so Michal, please let's. I want to get back to the the copywriting and the and the copy tribe, but can you tell us your story from the beginning? Where are you from? How did you grow up? 
how did and how did how where did you go professionally and how did you end up where you are now? Sure. So I was actually born in Israel to American parents who were living in Israel for a couple of years at the time. Um, moved back to the states when I was one and a half. So I grew up in a very boring place called Brooklyn, New York, which you may have heard of. Sure. And uh, after I got married, I moved back to Israel with my husband. And I was still very young and finishing my degree. I was pursuing a degree in speech language pathology. And I didn't have kids yet, so I wanted a job alongside my my college studies. And I, I landed this like random intern position at a publishing company in Jerusalem. It's called Targum Press. It's no longer in existence, but they published quite a few books back in the day. And uh, so I became the marketing assistant at this company and started off as an intern position and I ended up working there for two and a half years. And that's when I discovered that I could make money writing and this was a skill that I could actually monetize. I had always been good at writing in school and I did very well in my English region, but I, I never saw writing as something you could do professionally and make a living around. So um I, 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 I ended up leaving that, that job after two and a half years, but then I started freelance writing all the time for magazines, for private clients. I was kind of doing that on the side while launching my very conventional career in speech therapy as a speech therapist. So I was working like three days a week with language delayed kids and I enjoyed that very much, but I had this kind of like writing bug that I just needed to also be writing all the time. And I, I was doing that professionally. And, and then slowly I started falling into copywriting work as well. So people hired me to write ads and nonprofit fundraising materials and all kinds of marketing materials that are inspiring some kind of action, some kind of commitment, or, or even just to inspire trust and loyalty um, from the reader, on the, on the reader's part. And, and then after a few years of this, I would say I, I, I probably like juggled these two careers for about seven years. Wow. And one summer I took a, a proper copywriting course. It actually wasn't a copywriting course. It was like a business course for copywriters. Mm-hmm. It was like how to actually be a profitable freelancer, how to set up yourself as a legit. And I just felt like I was jack of all trades. I said, let me experiment. And for one year, I'm going to go all in on this copywriting thing and see what I can do and how, how I can build my business. So that's what I did. And, and thank God I haven't looked back. Um, that was about six years ago and I started off small and grew my own business. And now thank God I have a team of five regular team members. Um, in addition to different people we bring on for various projects. And, and then once I discovered this career as a copywriter and realized that you can actually make a very nice living as a copywriter, I felt like I wanted to share the wealth and let people know about this opportunity because there are so many excellent writers who, with the development of additional skill around marketing and copywriting, are very much suited to this career. And that's what led me to found Copy Tribe, the training program. So that's my journey wow. and not so short. Okay. No, that's fine. Now, when you were transitioning from speech pathology, speech language pathology to copywriting, did you have to, did you phase it out or you just quit one day? 
I think I phased it out in the sense that I probably started off working four days a week. And then like two years later, I was working three days a week as a speech therapist. And by the time I quit my job, I think I was only working two days a week as a speech therapist. So a lot of it was like coming to terms with like what I really enjoyed most, what I looked forward to more and where I felt my unique skill set was being maximized. Like it wasn't that I didn't feel I was making an impact as a speech therapist, but it kind of felt like it wasn't something I was uniquely positioned to do, um, whereas copywriting felt like just a perfect match. Okay. So what is it? What did you feel? What is the thrill of copywriting? You said it felt like a perfect match. You were a writer beforehand. It wasn't, it wasn't for commercial, right? It wasn't for commercial. It was what okay. I imagine in English, you're talking about doing well in English. That was creative writing. It was stories. It was, Yeah. Creative, a lot of creative writing, essay writing, being able to structure thoughts in a coherent, cohesive, compelling way, in an organized way, in a way that makes people want to keep reading. So it's like both the structure part of it and like the engaging part of it. It's like a house. The house has to be structurally sound, but then you can also make it very beautiful with aesthetics and interior design. And I think that's the skill of any good writer, the combination of, of, of structure and um, the music factor. Now, in terms of like, what is the thrill of copywriting? I personally work only with companies who I really believe in their product. I think they're selling something great whether it's a service or, or a physical product, but they're, they're doing something great. They're really helping people with their product. They're making people happy. They're delivering on their promise. And so I get a lot of satisfaction in helping these people get their product out and sell and grow their businesses and make more of that impact. Um, I would imagine that if, I would imagine if you're not as selective with who you work and you're working with companies where you don't necessarily like the people you're working with, or you don't feel that they deliver on what they promise, then there would be less of that gratification piece. And it would be more just about the money. It went, and you're working with training others and perhaps in their, and when you were making the transition, did you find, did you find out you had to make a bridge between being the creative writer who's crafting something interesting, let's say fiction um, essay writing where you're, where you're trying, where you're, you're trying to convey some kind of, um, point over, over a long form and, and the commercial aspect. Did you find that you, did you find some tension there moving from creative to commercial or yeah, please elaborate. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. I think that there is less room for creative writing in certain forms of copy. What's so fascinating and exciting about the world of copywriting is that there are so many different kinds of copywriting. And this is something I talk about a lot in my training program. You have like really creative copywriting, like ads, magazine ads, billboard ads, TV ads, video scripts, all those kinds of copywriting where like the number one goal is just to grab your attention, to capture your eyeballs. So a lot of it is just about that attention factor and you can do all kinds of kind of wild, interesting, creative things, funky things. And then you have copywriting that we say is deeper into the sales funnel, like websites, brochures, where people kind of already know about you and they want to learn more specifically what you do. They want to get more meaty, substantive details. Mm -hmm. And in those kinds of marketing materials, you don't want to be as creative you want to be more focused on the points and communicating the benefits of working with this company, of buying this product. Mm-hmm. So what's so amazing about copywriting is that 
If you're more creative, you gravitate naturally to the more creative forms of copywriting. And if you're more of that like structured, organized clarity person, there's a lot of space for that. Like even things like case studies or white papers, those are also marketing materials, but they're much more about the clarity of telling a a good story. Mm -hmm. And, And like, that's nonfiction, right? You can't be too creative there. So, so I found for myself, I am more of that clarity person. Like even when I was writing for magazines, I was writing nonfiction pieces about societal issues, social issues. I wasn't doing much fiction at all. So for me, I love things like websites um, because you're taking like masses of information, like 10 pages worth of material that your client gave you and you're figuring out how to structure it, what's most important, what should be most prominent, what is the core message, you're distilling like the absolute most important golden nuggets and figuring out how to communicate those. So there's a lot of organization and strategy that goes into that. And I find that challenge exciting. Wow. Now it seems like it seems like as you're discussing explaining what you do and, and what is the challenge of copywriting, it sounds like you've worked a lot about clarifying how to express this verbally. <laughs> and, I, and I think um, that must be because you've formed a course around it and you have to, you have to teach it. Is that definitely it? part of it? I, yeah. I, most people assume copywriting has something to do with legal trademarks. So we copywriters have become very used to having to explain our career to, to people. And it's ironic that copywriters whose like number one value proposition is to be able to communicate things clearly. Somehow when it comes to explaining our own jobs, we fall short. So uh-huh. that's, that's the great irony, but I'm trying to change that. Very good. So let, let me ask, um, what, why is it called copyright? What, what's copy? What does it mean? Yeah, it's a really dumb name. Like we've had discussions about this, like in big copywriting Facebook groups and Slack groups. I don't know who came up with it, but Mm -hmm. it's just very silly. Copy officially is the words you write for marketing materials is called copy. So you can be writing ad copy. You can be writing website copy. You can be writing brochure copy. That's that's the word for it. I have no idea how it started and it's the most confusing Mm -hmm. name. Okay, maybe you can change it as you're, uh, you know, creating hordes of students and Slack groups, and maybe going in the future it'll be called something else. Who knows? Yep, I hear. Is it, is it possible? There's probably some historic reason for it. Maybe somebody said copy these words onto the newspaper ad. I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe. Yeah. The joke is that some companies think that copywriting is about going to their competitor's website and copying what's there and uh-huh. putting it, a little twist on it, but that's not strategic copywriting okay okay so now now i'd like to know about the um the the copy tribe the the course that you 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 imposed so is this do you find that copy tribe the the students of copy tribe are mostly orthodox jews just because of your your network and how you know how it developed and, and grew yeah definitely i mean for the first four years i only really marketed to that community So I didn't do any general marketing um, promotion. So this year, actually, I opened up the course to anyone. We have we have like a few cohorts. So I marketed the course in in a more general way, and um, and so we have we have quite a few members this year, not from the Orthodox Jewish community, but definitely the majority to date um, are from that community. And and of course, there's a lot of trust and and uh that that networking piece that always it always plays a role uh, the famous line that goes it's not about what you know it's about who you know so i think in our 
small, tight-knit community, there's a lot of trust. Right. And when you talk about marketing to opening it up for everybody, what is the process? I mean, when, when, you're, when you're starting from your community, you can post on LinkedIn and everybody who knows you now knows what you're doing and they know, they know other people. And then that's how you grow from there. I understand. Uh, but what, how do you open it up to the world in general? Yeah, so I've been posting on LinkedIn for several years now. I took a long break for the past few months, but I was posting very regularly for a couple of years. So I really grew an audience on LinkedIn that has many copywriters and general professionals who are not part of the Orthodox Jewish community. Right. So I have a lot of followers um, in that, on, that, on that platform. And my email list also. I've been growing my email list for about five years now. And so I have quite a few people on my email list who have heard me speak at various conferences, uh, Zoom presentations, events, and have signed up um, as a result. Uh-huh. Every, every, every conf- conference or Zoom conference has a, a link to sign up to the email list if you want to learn more. Yeah, yeah. And not even just that, like even people who have been following me on LinkedIn, if they want to get more regular material from me in their inbox, they'll also Mm -hmm. sign up to my email list. Is there something about copywriting that is unique, uniquely suited to a Orthodox Jewish lifestyle? That's a great question. So the, the short answer is yes. And the long answer is that number one, copywriting, if you are a strong writer, then copywriting is, is, can can be a great career that doesn't involve many years of schooling or many hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh-huh. So you can get started and get and grow quickly within copywriting. If you come in with a decent amount of talent and you get solid training, you can grow pretty quickly. I have worked with one Orthodox Jewish student um, two years back who came straight out of his yeshiva program and had a very strong English education growing up. So he was an excellent writer coming in, but had no college experience. And within a few months, he was um, doing really well as a copywriter post the, the training program. Mm-hmm. So like, he's kind of like a case study in my mind of, of how, just how quickly you can accelerate um, with a copywriting career. And that's often very important to members of the Orthodox Jewish community who either don't want to go to college for for religious reasons, or they're at a point in their life where investing four or five years in college is not so practical or, or viable financially. Um, and the second big reason that copywriting is really suitable to members of the Orthodox Jewish community is because it's so flexible. So you can work from home. I mean, a lot of jobs now are remote, especially post-COVID, but copywriting is it's just so easily remote. There's very little you cannot do remotely as a copywriter. And therefore, even if you work for an agency and you come in two days a week to be on site, you can do the bulk of your work at home and you can do it at night. You can do it in the morning. It's just so flexible. So it's, it's ideal for parents of young kids who need that flexibility. Um, and it, it just greatly enhances their quality of life. Okay. So is um in the course that you're that you're teaching are you are you focusing only on the skills that are specific to copywriting or are you also focusing on general success coaching how to organize yourself what what is it 
Yeah. So that's a great question. We actually have two segments of the program. The first three months are copywriting focused. So those are actually focused on the skills of writing copy for various industries in various forms. And then the the last two months, which will will be starting actually November 1st, November and December, will be, um, we call them the profitable freelancer. So that's really focused on business skills. So how to market yourself, how to find clients, how to organize your business, how to create a good client experience that makes the client feel taken care of and that gets you referrals and repeat work. So all those, like, and then we also have a module on like soft skills. Like what, what, what does it mean to have good soft skills? How does that manifest in your day-to-day operations as a freelance business owner? Why are some freelancers so much more successful than others? Like what, what are those secret qualities that are so important? And we, we have a whole module on email communication, like how to write good emails, mm. um, how, how to respond to sticky situations, which, which is really so important in any industry, but especially when you're working remotely. Like emails can be very important because that's your primary method of communication. So how you come across your tone. So, uh, so that's what the, the second segment is all about. Those business, client management, marketing skills. Did the course evolve as you've been, how long have you been doing the course again? Five years. Five years. So has it evolved to add that second section or was it always including both? So we had, it has definitely evolved every year. We make changes, tons of changes based on feedback and we're continually improving and refining. The first year, I think we had like three modules on that topic. So we didn't know from the outset that we wanted to cover it. And five years later, we're up to nine modules on that topic. So we do a lot of expanding based on feedback and based on what people want to learn more about, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, so the answer is like, we kind of, we, we included it at the beginning because we also feel like it's one of those things where people kind of expect you to have it or assume you have it as a freelancer, like, but really being a freelancer involves two disparate skill sets of like, you have to have creative skill and then you have to have business skill. And the two are very, very different. And I don't think it's a reality that's acknowledged enough. Now, when you said you had a team, is that, did you, did you grow a team for your, for your, is the, is the team for the copywriting or is the team for the course or both? Both. Or is, it's all both. one and the same. Okay. It's all yeah. one and the same. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so is that because you wanted to focus on the creative aspect and let other people do the business aspect or, 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 or a different reason? Not so much. I think I enjoy the business management um, to a great degree, mm-hmm. but more like the strategy of the business management. And I just needed support with a lot of administrative stuff. Um, I needed support even with copywriting. Like if I wrote every piece of copy that comes out of my business, I would not be able to grow. So I have, I have team members who are writing copy, team members doing project management. You have these like big complex projects, like seven page websites and multiple assets and mm-hmm. just keeping things moving. So. That's really, um, but I, I, I guess I, I definitely was inspired after a class I once heard about the idea of finding your zone of genius and then hiring people to help you with everything beyond that. Uh-huh. So the things that you're not really good at, or it's not not the best use of your time, or not your your area of brilliance, to hire people who are actually better than you in that space and stick to what you're really good at and where you really shine. So that's something I try to keep in mind. Okay. Are all the members of your team, are they local to your location in Israel? No. Uh, I've won, a few are in Israel, 
Um, mm -hmm. I have two, I have three in Israel, one in Brooklyn, one in Memphis. And then, yeah. as I said, like other team members that we bring on for, for other projects, but those are my regular ones. Where do you want to take, ideally, where do you want to take uh, the Michal Eiskovitz copy tribe? Where, where would you like to see it go? And, and at which point where can you say, okay, it's big enough. Let's just, let's just set it on cruise. That's just such a great question. I, I, I don't know if I can answer that. It's a question I grapple with and I ask myself very frequently. Um, I think that I, I have like, I, I feel strongly that I have a lot of material, especially with the profitable freelancer stuff that can be very game changing for freelancers beyond copywriters, anyone in creative field. So designers, developers. So I feel like that's something that's a big goal for me in the next year or two to expand that audience and, and grow that audience because those people already have the skill set and they already have the beginnings of a business, but things are not going as smoothly or as easily or as profitably as they wanted. And that's where I feel like this material can make a big difference. Um, so that's, that's a big goal for, for me. Um, and in terms of a happy tribe in general, I'd love to expand to a, a greater audience beyond the Orthodox Jewish community. I love, I love helping my community. It's where I grew up. Um, and it's my people. They're my tribe. But I also feel that I have a lot of value to bring beyond that. And I, I, I basically created the program that I wish I would have had as a beginning copywriter, where I just learned a lot from all mistakes, some of them very bad mistakes. And I took a very bumpy road to where I am now. So I, I created the program that I wish I would have had. So that's, that's, um, that's another goal for me to build that audience as well. I, I, on, the, on that note, I think that once you come up with a, I think in general in the business world, once you come up with a, a formula that's that's working, then you can scale it infinitely, right? And you don't, it doesn't cost you any much more to to reach, uh, let's say, a thousand people or to reach ten thousand or a hundred thousand. And I, I don't know if there's hundred thousand candidates to in, in right. this industry, but, <laughs> but yeah, that's, no, that's I, a that's, great point. Yeah. Although I, I'm also very passionate about creating a program where there's a lot of interaction and hands-on challenges where people are actually implementing the material and getting personalized feedback on it. And when you build a course with that kind of model, it's not nearly as scalable because it's not like videos right. that you can just have an endless amount of people watching your videos. I, I feel strongly, and, and this, if you, if you, if you look at like the research of the, that where online courses are going, you can see that like the standard online course that's just videos, the engagement level is rock bottom. Like the amount of people who actually complete the course or complete 30% of the course is very, very little. Uh -huh. And the reason for that is we're human and humans don't love sitting at their computer and watching 15 hours of talking head videos. Like that's not what drives us and what motivates us. What, 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 what keeps us accountable is a social atmosphere is other people are deadlines someone is actually going to be waiting for your assignment and reviewing it so that's that 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 kind of model acknowledges who we are as humans and how we operate so that's something that i really believe in and although it's far less scalable um 
that's definitely going to remain central to my model. Will I ever offer like a self-study version for people who are super disciplined and just want the videos? Maybe I will, but I'm certainly not going to throw away the model of, of this accountability built in. And I know from the feedback I've gotten from so many members that the only reason they actually completed the course was because of those deadlines and that accountability, because people are just so busy. There's a lot going on. And, and that's, that's the reality. In, in the course, in the Copy Tribe course, are, you say they give them a lot of hands-on. And I think I noticed on one of your LinkedIn posts that you, you offer a, a free promotion for nonprofits, for instance. Like we can have somebody write your three-page leaf, uh, brochure leaflet for somebody who's a student of Copy Tribe now and had no charge. And then it'll be critiqued by Copy Tribe. Is that, is, is that, so that, is that, you have other types of uh, hands-on projects in the yeah can you, can exactly you share some of them? yeah. So we have um we have we have five copywriting challenges. Um, the first is to write um an ad a ser- a series of ads, and the second is to write uh, is to write up what we call a brand research summary, where you basically interview a client. And you learn all that there is to know about their business. And then you present it in this nicely organized deliverable that summarizes everything about the business, the core points, the core differentiators. We have another challenge. That's the brochure challenge. That's the one you saw. We have a homepage challenge and we have an email sequence challenge of writing a cold sales email sequence for companies that they can then go ahead and adapt and customize. Um so, and, and we try as much as possible to use real businesses for these challenges so that members get the experience of writing for a real business. And if they win the challenge, what, what do they get? Do they get to, to claim that honor on their uh, resume? <laughs> so we don't have like winners officially, but we uh-huh. do have what's called honorable mentions where we have like a scoring system just to be able to give pe- people objective feedback. Mm-hmm. So we have like a very detailed rubric for each challenge and then you get a score. And if you get over a certain score, then you get added to the honorable mentions list. Um, so there's like, that, that's another, that's another way we kind of leverage human nature right. of like people, right. you know, people's natural inclination to want to win. And, and, you know, we're all slightly competitive. So we've actually got feedback from people that it helps a lot. Uh-huh. And now the cohort, sorry, after a cohort is finished, you said they're part of a Slack group and they communicate with each other. Are people trying out their, their work on people in the, in the community? And they're saying, listen, I thought of this idea that they're trying to, over here, they're trying to sell lollipops. And uh, here's what I came up with, why this is the most amazing lollipop in the world. Um, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. definitely a lot of like bouncing ideas back and forth. We have a channel called Peer Review, where if you mm-hmm. want to get a fresh set of eyes on your work to give you good feedback, pointed feedback, uh, people post stuff all the time. And it's very, very helpful because sometimes when you've worked like five hours on something and you're just so deep inside it, you're not able to like have that fresh perspective of like, this is not working or you can do better, that kind of thing. And uh, as, as the founder, are you, are you checking in on that sometimes or, or do, what's your interaction with the, the graduates of the course as opposed to the current um, students? Yeah, I drop into the Slack community all the time. I don't yeah. respond to every conversation or every thread, but I definitely share my two cents here and there. And we also have a system where a lot of people contact me looking for copywriters for their own projects. Right. They just know that I have this network. So we have, we have a system now where business owners can fill out a short form 
then we post the opportunity in this alumni community without identifying details. And then I will personally vet the responses and try to find the best suited copywriter for this project and send my recommendations to the business owner. So that's another way that I, I stay very involved. It's important to me to try to set up my alumni for success as much as possible and any opportunities that come my way, I'm really happy to pass them on. Amazing. That's very, that's very kind of you and also very smart. <laughs> so now um, we talked before about how, how copywriting is especially suited to the lifestyle of an observant Jew. Um, is there any skills that you think you have um, skills, soft skills that you know that you have inside just because of your upbringing, your, your observant Jewish upbringing that, that anybody similar with a similar upbringing brings to the table as a, as a copywriter that helps them put them um, at an advantage to understand the industry or, or just, just, just to be a business person. Interesting. Well, I definitely think that the Orthodox Jewish community has unique entrepreneurial spirit. That much is clear. There's an inordinate disproportionate amount of business owners that emerge from the Orthodox Jewish community. And you could argue that it's because many members prefer to opt out of college, and that's why they end up veering towards business. But there's also an inordinate amount of successful businesses in the Orthodox Jewish community of people who really build huge empires. So there's, and you see this in certain sub-communities as well. Like from a very young age, young boys and girls will be like thinking in terms of business and coming up with business ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very much encouraged. And it's like, it's part of the culture. So I think that's, um, that's definitely an advantage that many members of the Orthodox Jewish community have, that the entrepreneurial world is is not foreign to them and it's something exciting and it's a place where they feel they can succeed because they see it around them. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, in terms of soft skills, I actually feel that we as a community, we have we have a unique um, unique communication with each other where there's a lot in the undertones that like is understood. So we sometimes assume that that's the case with everyone. And that's like a mistaken assumption. So I I think that we have some work to do in developing our communication so that it resonates with everyone um, and not just with people who just implicitly understand us. Um, That would be a disadvantage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm being honest. Sure, that's fine. In in terms of... And what I was looking for, I was trying to, trying to, uh, you know, evince an answer, but it didn't come out, but <laughs> you can let, you can let me know if you think it's true or not. The, the, you have a, a, a observant Jewish young man or young woman, boy or girl going through the, the system and learning, uh, learning Torah. And the Torah is, is teaching you how to, how to use this world, how to be a successful in this world with all your relationships. Obviously not just business. I mean, business is one aspect of it, but it's not. It's, it teaches you how to be an ethical person. So do you see the, in the ethical, uh, the, the strong ethical teachings that, that are inculcated into an observant Jewish person? Um, do you see that? Do you see any evidence of that or advantage of that in, in what you're doing in, in teaching in teaching groups of other observant Jews? Mm-hmm. Well, I can say that I've definitely been very inspired by some of the questions and the conversations that come up in our Slack community. So I can see that people take take their responsibility very seriously. And if a company asks them to do something, a client asks them to do something that's not ethical, like copying or or saying something in the product messaging that's not 
totally true. Um, you have the copywriters who feel a very intense moral dilemma and who will raise the conversation in Slack and we'll talk about it and we'll, we'll speak about the importance of getting more pointed guidance, but there will, there is definitely a strong awareness that this is not okay and we have to figure out how to address it. Um, so like there's a very strong reaction to that. And, and I see, and also I've seen like a lot of inspiring questions about like, I, I worked for a similar client two months ago and now a competing client it wants to hire me on a freelance basis. Like, is it okay if I work for the editor of theirs? And yeah, so I think that in a lot of communities like that wouldn't even be a question because this is a freelance relationship. There is no long-term commitment. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the fact that they're even asking that question is testament to their integrity and to the, to, to the, the depth to which they care about their clients and um, they feel committed to the people they've worked with. Uh- Thank you. <laughs> and as you expand uh, uh, Copy Tribe to to a non-Jewish audience, or let me, I'm not a general audience that might be Jewish or not. It's just not a major a major part of their lives. Um, but but as do you do you see anything about um, what I'm looking for? Do you see the aspect of Kiddush Hashem of 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 setting an example where people know that? Your behavior, your uplifted behavior is a result of your observance of the Torah. Do you see, have you seen any of that as you expand out or is it too early for that? You're talking about like Kiddush Hashem for myself? No, yeah, yeah. I say for yourself or when you're, uh, I guess I, I imagine that it would be when you're, you're taking a, a, a business that started, a course that started with a core of, of Orthodox observant Jews and now it's being offered to the world as general. Do they see that where it's coming from? Are they aware of this? Uh, and do they uh, have you ever seen any comments about the fact? You know, it's it's so nice that you'd ask this question. I never asked this kind of question. I would never consider that to be an ethical dilemma. And you guys are. You ever see yeah. that? Yeah. Um, so I can't think of like specific feedback um, at this point in that in that direction. But um, I, I can say that I've I've always been very open about the fact that I'm an Orthodox Jew, mm-hmm. about the fact that I have five little kids. Um, and uh, I hope that, I hope that wherever I've gone, that has, that has led people to think a little differently about the Orthodox Jewish community and, and has left a positive impression. Um, I, I, I know like in our course, like everyone knows that when there's Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur, there will be no moderation on those days. And we're very proud to say that, um, that these are Jewish holidays and, and we don't work on those days. So I've only received positive feedback for it from people around the world. Um, and, um, and an interest, interestingly, a very large number of highly successful copywriters happen to be Jewish. So I don't know, maybe there is something to the, to the connection between copywriting and the Jewish world, but many copywriter colleagues I was actually friends with for many years and then discovered that they were Jewish. I just knew them professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of, a lot of talent out there. And I found that the general global community of copywriters has been very welcoming and accepting, um, which is really nice. Are these the, the ones you find out that are Jewish? You had no idea. Uh, they with are they all freelancers or they're sometimes copyrighted copywriters that are working for firms and 
I'm just want, I'm trying to connect the entrepreneurial spirit that you talked right. about before and and the <laughs> and the copyright. So they're mostly freelancers, but yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean much because most of my colleagues are freelancers because that's right. that's the trajectory that I took. So that's the kind of circles that I'm hanging out in. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that the people who work at firms have less of a need for being part of these communities because right. they already have that aspect built into their company. It's the freelancers who are feeling a certain loneliness and isolation who really crave that kind of network and build it actively. Mm-hmm. But the, the people who are working for firms as a copywriter in, in the marketing department, uh, do they, don't they need that stimulus that sort of like outside pair of eyes or is that, is that in-house with the, with the other, you know, so depending on the kind of firm you're working at, if it's a large enough firm, you're often going to get it in-house. So the creative director is going to be mm-hmm. pushing back on your work Got or it. maybe a, another senior copywriter on the team. So you'll definitely have more of that feedback. Okay. And now something you just mentioned, your five little kids, I'm sure they're, they're adorable. Um, do you, I know you said that you have such a flexible schedule as a, as, um, as a freelancer. And that's, that's one of the advantages of freelancing and remote working. Is there, is it difficult to carve enough time for your work as a, I'm sure there's infinite amount of time you could spend with your family. The older kids will go to school, but uh, you could, you could do as much as, as, as much as you could invest into your children, as much as time as, as you feel is appropriate. How, do you have, do you find it hard to, to strike the right balance? Work-life balance is always hard. I think it's important to acknowledge that there is what I call seasons of life. So there are some seasons, like when you have very little babies, where you're not going to want to work as much or be able to work as much mm-hmm. and to kind of like accept that and be okay with leaving work on a low flame, low burner for a period of time. And like now, for example, my youngest is almost two and he's he's at daycare for more hours a day. So now is the time where I am able to work more than in the past. Um, so uh, I think a lot of it like ultimately comes down to kind of like going with the flow, seeing what your family needs at that time and being able to up it or lower it as needed. And, and that, that I feel is like part of the magic of a freelance copywriting career is that you have that power and control, especially once you've established yourself and you have a pretty steady flow of leads and clients coming in, you can take it up or you can take it down a notch. And that's really, that's really amazing as a parent. And as, as somebody who has now been in this copywriting field for so many years, and now you have, you're responsible for your course and, and staying on top of your students. So do you, do you find that more challenging that, do you find that you have to be more present and, and, and therefore less present, less available for your family? Well, not really, because I've gotten better at hiring amazing people to help me and support me. And so I, I have an incredible team and for copy tribe specifically, I have like an even expand a more expanded team of staff members from all over the world. So I've gotten better at delegating. I've always been a control freak. That's been hard for me, but I've gotten better at it over the years. So I think that when you have the right team, then you don't, you don't have to be there and present all the time in order for things to run well. And I, I, it just occurred to me to ask this question. This might be very interesting to our listeners. What does your husband do? Great question. So my husband is actually a programmer. Um, he's been a programmer since he's like 14, you know, the kind of kid oh. who was playing around with computers and programming from a very young age. And he um, has founded and runs actively MindsMoney.com. 
I don't know if you're familiar oh. with it. Yeah, I got but... all the emails uh, coming up to Rosh Hashanah. I got, you know. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> that was me. So, <laughs> um, so MyZmanim.com provides halachic times for Jews in any location around the world. So when does Shabbos start? When does Shabbos end? When do you light candles? Um, when does the sun rise? When does the sun set? All the times that are needed for different prayers and mitzvahs. So that's, thank God, what he does um, for most of his day. And he's really good at it. And, and he's passionate about it, the impact it makes. And that's a nonprofit? Yeah. Is right. And that's probably involves a lot of algorithms cal- calculating different times and sunset and sunrise and, and what and you know atmospheric yeah. pressure and <laughs> yeah. So he created the core algorithm years ago and he's like constantly refining it and tweaking it based on research. Um as the years go by, there's like more and more research that can be used, how pressure affects affects um sunset for example um um there's like different factors i'm i'm, I'm going to be talking like out of my comfort zone so i don't want to say anything because this is not me but we we'll have to get him on the podcast yeah um but he's uh he's a board programmer and he's really happy to be able to use his skills in this way wow okay great so i, I want to wrap it up but before we go i would love to ask you um, here we have an audience, and I, I say this in every podcast almost, uh, we have an audience of, of Jewish students, young professionals, and coming from all kinds of different backgrounds. Um, usually we have, I mean, we're, we're going from some who are conservative reform or other, other denominations of Judaism. Sometimes the, it's, it's someone with just one Jewish parent and they didn't really have any education or they had two Jewish parents and they had, they also didn't have any education and they're learning more about like what Judaism has to teach now. And, uh, you know, at this stage in their lives through the Packers Fellowship or other programming. And is there a message as uh, that you, based on, on, on your life experiences and what it does, it could be related to business. It could be not related to business. Just, is there a message you'd like to give over to, to let's, let's say, imagine there's 500 people. I don't think we have that many audience, but let's say there's 500 people right now listening to, to you speaking, uh, something you'd like to give, uh, tell, like, like to convey something, something like to share. Yeah, sure. So I'll say two short messages. The first is that it's okay to allow yourself to experiment with different careers and different professional trajectories at the beginning. And not only is it okay, but it's a very natural thing. Very rare is the person who at age 23 knows exactly what they want to do and lands in the perfect position that is perfectly suited to their skill set. I think I had a lot of guilt over the fact that I invested so much time in my master's degree and ultimately I'm not using it. And it was hard for me to move past that and go full all in on copywriting because of it. And when I finally was able to make the leap. I was so grateful that I allowed myself to do that because at the end of the day, you are going to be working many, many, many hours of your life. So if there's a way you can make that more enjoyable and more gratifying for you by finding something that better suits your strengths, then you should allow yourself to be open to that and not confine yourself to the exact career path that you outlined when you were 19, 20, 21, and you thought you knew everything there was to know about yourself and the world. So that's one message. And the second message is that the Jewish community is the Jewish entrepreneurial community is waiting for you with wide open arms. There are so many successful Jewish businesses. And, and what's nice about the Jewish community is, 
is because we have a lot of emphasis on social events and connections. So there's just a lot of networking that naturally takes place between people who know each other and are happy to send business to each other. So just know that, that there are so many people out there who are going to be rooting for you and trying to support you as you begin your professional journeys. And you can use your, your hopefully growing Jewish network to help you um, launch a more successful career. Thank you very much. Thank you for sharing the message, a very positive and helpful message. And Michal, it's an inspiration to speak to you and see what you've built um, out of your out of the skills that you that you that you were calling you all along, and and have you helped so many people. And I'm sure that many of our listeners will be inspired by your story. And I want to wish you. Uh, it's right before the time where we're recording. This is right before Yom Kippur, so I want to wish you. It should be sealed in the book of life for a sweet and healthy new year. Gemar Chasimatova. Amen. Thank, you, thank, thank you. you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Okay, be well. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've just listened to another great episode of Our Tribe, the podcast, brought to you by the Podcast Fellowship and hosted by Rabbi Tovia Kopstein. Tune in each week, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time to hear more great episodes of Our Tribe, the podcast. If you have any suggestions or questions, email us at ourtribe at podcastfellowship.org. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to help the tribe Thrive.